Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dana Buckler Show. My name is Dana, and I am pleased to welcome for the first time on the Dana Buckler Show, uh, my friend Lexi Van Dyke. Lexi, how are you today? I am good. How are you? Thank you for having me on. Thank you for doing this. Now, you and I have been conversating back and forth for a few years now. I know we yeah. have a lot of mutual friends in our little podcast community, and I mm-hmm. have talked about having you on the show in the past, and it just for one reason or another, it never worked out. But here you are now, so super excited to have you on. I know. Here I am now. Here we all are now. Yeah. So uh, we are recording on April 5th, Sunday, April Mm -hmm. 5th right now. And we are, of course, like everyone else in the world, we're going through the same situation. I'm in Florida, but I'm curious, Mm -hmm. you are in California. So I've got a couple questions, specifically Mm -hmm. what part of California are you in and what's it like right now? Yeah. So I am in like the very middle of California. I am basically an hour and a half from Bay Area very central, like what you would call the breadbasket of California, a lot of farming. I'm in a really small town, uh, kind of on the outskirts of everything. And uh, it's been interesting. I feel very lucky to be in California because our governor put the shelter in place, uh, lockdown um, very early on when everything was happening. So everyone pretty much has been staying in place for almost a month now. So Luckily, it, it we're all taking it very seriously, and um, I'm very lucky that most of my family is either working from home or able to stay home or stay relatively close to home. I also have a lot of friends and family who are teachers, so they are just doing their thing all digitally, and so and you know that makes it a little bit easier too. Um, it's amazing what technology has done <laughs> in this time. Yeah, no, I agree. I've I've mentioned this on a couple of these episodes that I've been doing that I, I used to like loathe social media. I used to say, oh, <laughs> it's it's so bad. It's, you know, it's it's just, I'm so happy we have it right now. I'm, yes. And are you finding that you're reaching out and connecting with a lot of people that you hadn't recently connected with? Um, Slightly, but I think I, I tend, I fluctuate on social media, whether I'm on it. Like I, Twitter, I've generally always been on but I'm just on there pretty much about movies and stuff like that and politics now because we're all getting involved in that as of right now. I think everyone has kind of been there and we've all kind of been there for each other, but it we well, everything's become a little bit more tight-knit ever since the situation happened. So everyone is kind of having each other's back and being as supportive as possible and sharing where they can help or you know what we can all help with in order to better support each other. Yeah, absolutely. And um, we won't get into the particulars, but um, are you one of the many that has lost your job or been laid off? Or are you able to continue to keep working? Um, I am very lucky. I work for what's considered an essential business. So I am able to still keep working. Um, most of my family is still able to keep working. My, uh, I have a member of my family who's my dad, he's retired, so he's able to stay with my daughter while I go to work. So it makes it a little bit easier for me in everything. And um, we're all just very lucky right now. I feel very lucky in my family. And I try and, you know, help as much as I can when I can because these times are very scary for a lot of people. I was in California. I was there from February 29th to March 4th. Mm-hmm. And I was in Los, specifically in Los Angeles at the time in in West the West Hollywood area, mm-hmm. and ev- there was only sort of what I would call sort of whispers 
of mm-hmm. of the severity of the situation. Like everything was still open. I mean, yeah. we, we were going to restaurants every night. I went to a couple nightclubs. I mean, mm-hmm. when I flew out of Los Angeles International Airport that Tuesday, uh, that was really when it was starting to hit me a little bit because it was eerily quiet there. Yeah. I was expecting one of the busiest airports in the world. And when I went through TSA, there, when I say there was no line, there was no line. <laughs> it was just me going through. In fact, the guy didn't even make me go through the body scanner. He just made me go through the metal detector. He's like, yeah, just go ahead. You're good. And my airplane, uh, which was a direct flight from Los Angeles to Orlando, was only half full. And that's when I really started to think about this. So I'm, I'm curious. I know California went into the shelter-in-place order way ahead of most states. In fact, as of recording this, there's still eight states in this country that have not gone into the shelter-in-place order, which I think that's a completely different discussion. Yeah. But, but for you, when when did you when did this really start to come on your radar? And you know, how quickly after that did your state take the preventative measures of putting the shelter-in-place order in? Well, you were here like the first week of. Uh, March and that was pretty much that last that was like the last weekend I remember doing anything outside of my house really Um, that was like the last weekend my daughter had a softball game and it was just starting to be um, I think it was literally like the day the week after when they put the shelter in place order and um, then I got the notice that that same week that my daughter's school is closing for at least two weeks and then slowly after that it's just like every week they're extending it extending it and then last week they just said that they're not going to be uh, opening the school for the rest of the year so it's it it's kind of weird how fast it is because it's only been about a month we're here april in the beginning first weekend in april and that was literally a month ago it's just yeah it, it seems to me like we here in florida we didn't put the shelter in place order in. He he announced it on March 31st. It went into mm-hmm. it went to effect the next night at midnight, and it was kind of like one of those situations where the majority of the people I live live around and my friends and I, I work in the hospitality industry. I mm-hmm. work at a restaurant. Fortunately, we closed our restaurant. We mm-hmm. we laid everybody off, and you know everyone's mm-hmm. going to get hired back whenever this is over with. Yeah. So we're we're temporarily unemployed, is what I like to say. Yeah. But the the discussions. I've had with my friends have been sort of like, what are we waiting for? Like, why will they not put this order in place? Mm -hmm. Um, So they did. But I'm curious, you know, I watch, I've been watching probably way more news than I need to be (laughs) right now. Um, I know, right? But what is the overall perception of Gavin Newsom in in California? Are are people really rallying behind him? Um, I feel so. I feel like they are because he's, He's been taking this seriously from day one. And I, I personally, I know everyone who I have talked with is um, respects him and understands what he's doing. And it's extremely hard. And I, I came from being in the hospitality literally six months ago. I went from changing jobs like less than six months ago. So if this had happened any sooner, I would I would be in that position where I would be unemployed right now. And so I've been thinking about that a lot and how it's going to be affecting everybody and how we can we can only do the best we can with what we have right now. And the best we can all do is stay home. 
that's all we can do in order to prevent it. Um, California is very lucky because it has two very big hubs of people, San Francisco and LA. Like those are the big ones. And besides that, it's all kind of smaller communities that are way more spread out. So we're not quite on top of each other as much. But we are, we do have, we are known for entertainment and hospitality. So that is going to affect us really, really hard. And I know it's affected a lot of people really, really hard already. And and here in Florida, we're known for tourism and hospitality. And there's a part of me like that, like I understand Governor Ron DeSantis. He's the governor here in Florida. Like I understand like he was really being pulled in two different directions. Like, you know, it's like you close everything down, millions of people, because Florida is the third most populous state in in Mm -hmm. the country and millions of people are going to be unemployed. But if you leave them open, you're putting so many other people at risk. And I mean, I just, for me, I think we we should all sort of look at what politicians did when this is over with, because I can't imagine the amount of stress that they must be under, because I know how much stress I'm under and I'm perfectly safe at home. You know, I'm I'm going a little stir crazy. I'm sure most people yeah. are, and I'm so thankful that I have the podcast as an outlet. You know, yeah. and so it's just a it's a really interesting time that we're all living in, and it's amazing, Lexi. The little things we took for granted, isn't it? It it really is. I I think a lot because my my brother is a musician, and he up until like the weekend before the shutdown happened, he was playing it at venues and stuff like that. And I think a lot about what he's doing and I just, I just miss that. And I know he misses it too. And that's, it's so funny that that's like the first thing besides obviously going to a movie theater because we would do that every other weekend or so, because I have a kid and you know, what better thing to do with a kid than take them to the movies. And so I think those are the two things. Like I, I am not someone who has to depend on restaurants. I'm pretty, I'm a pretty good cook and I've been raised to be a pretty good cook, luckily. So I can, that's something that I'm going to live, I'm okay living without. But I think the ability to um, go to a movie theater, obviously, as we are movie heads, and then also like just going to see live music is going to be one of the first things I do, I think, when this all ha- comes, it turns around. Yeah, it's funny because I have a, a storied history with going to the movie theater, as, <laughs> as, as most people know listening. But uh, what was fun? Well, I guess it's comical because it's, of course, it could only happen to me. I finally said to myself, <laughs> you know what? Enough is enough. I'm going to go to the movies a lot. In fact, I started signing up yeah. for the Regal Ultimate Pass. Oh, yeah. And the day I signed up for it, an hour later, I got an email from Regal and they said, well, we're closing all the movie theaters. I said, oh, well, of course you are. <laughs> Of course you are. And and don't get me wrong, that's the right decision. But yes. that being said, when this is over with, I think you're going to see me going to the movies a whole heck of a lot more, <laughs> which which could be good for the show as well. So, yeah. you know, you never know. So I know. I think I think going to the movie theaters, it's one of those things that we took for granted, like so many other things before this all happened. And it's not going to be the biggest thing that we all took for granted, but it is it is one of them. It's just the idea of going and sitting in a theater and getting your favorite treat and like just disengaging for an hour and a half. Yes. To two hours or three hours, depending on what movie it is. But um yeah, I think it's just something that, especially you know, us being kind of film centric, it's it's something that we'll we'll 
we'll all be looking forward to doing when this is all over. Yes. And I said this on a previous lockdown sessions episode, but it bears repeating that there is plenty of evidence to suggest that I was already practicing social distancing when I went to the movie theater. <laughs> exactly. You were doing your part before this all long, started. Long before. So, well, listen, Lexi, speaking of movies, uh-huh. Uh-huh. and one of the things that I've, I've been encouraging the guests that have been coming on for this series that I'm doing, um, one of the things I've been encouraging them to do is uh, to give me some recommendations. Because if there's mm-hmm. one thing that I've got plenty of time to do besides podcasting. <laughs> is watching movies. And I had uh, Alejandra Gonzalez on the last show and we got into a discussion about the Lord of the Rings. It was one of the ones that she recommended and she'll be happy to hear that I'm, as of, you know, as soon as we're done recording this, I'm going to start that journey to Middle Earth tonight. So I'm looking forward to it. But that being said, I would love for you to give me and the listeners some of your movie recommendations, something that we could uh, use to to pass the time because we have a lot of it. Yeah, um, I'd be happy to. So I kind of, tried to stick with some that might be more readily available to other people since we all can't really go out and go shopping. I mean, you can't get stuff online, I guess, but it just makes it a little bit easily easier if it's like easier, more accessible. So my first one is probably a movie I've seen a hundred billion times and I grew up watching it. It's called Mermaids. Oh, I don't know if you've yeah. seen Mermaids. All right. So Mermaids, uh, just off the top of my head, is uh, Winona Ryder and Cher are in that movie, yes. correct? I saw it that is. movie 93, 94. I'm not even sure how long <laughs> That's ago probably it was. about when it came out. So, yeah. So, refresh my memory on this one. So, it's um, Cher is the mother. And then uh, it's Winona Ryder is her daughter. And Christina Ricci is her younger, younger daughter. And um, it's just about them and how they move to a new town. She's a single mother. She, it's one of those stories like she's, um, it's based, I believe, in the 50s. And so she's kind of like a strong, free woman. And so every time she uh, breaks up with the boyfriend, they move to a new town. And so they move to this new town and it's about their adventures. I think it's in Connecticut or something like that, somewhere in the East Coast. And it's just about their relationships and... Uh, she and Cher ends up falling in love with Bob Hoskins, who's incredible. They have such incredible chemistry in this movie as someone who loves romantic comedies. It's it's kind of interesting to see them together because they're such an odd couple. But And then it's also the relationships between Cher and her daughters. And it's such a cozy movie. It's like being wrapped in a warm blanket, as you could say. And I definitely recommend anyone watching it. Awesome. Okay, excellent. Yeah, it's on Voodoo. It's on, okay, okay. So, yes. uh, Voodoo, part of their uh, ad-supported free yes. movies. Yes. Awesome. Okay. So, Voodoo, add that. All right, listeners, add that one to your <laughs> list. I, I remember seeing it. That's about the extent of what I remember. But uh, yeah. immediately, and Christina Ricci, I forgot about that. So, yeah, definitely share. Yes, she's writer. so small. I think it might have been one of her first movies. She looks like she's like six or seven. She's a very tiny. I mean, she's a very tiny human to begin with. But she's so small in the movie and she's obsessed with swimming. And so she's always running around in a swimsuit. And it's just she's like the cutest little thing in the world. It's it's so amazing to see where she was then and now she, how she is. It's just kind of a funny tra- uh, transformation. And, and what, what year did this movie come out? Oh, I don't remember off the top of my head. I think it came out in the early 90s. Yeah. So th- this was this would have been when Winona Ryder was still she was Still, I guess, for the top, lack of a better word, at the top of her game. Like, she was doing a lot yes, of movies exactly. back then. exactly. I think it was, uh, like, probably after Beetlejuice, right okay. around that time. It was after Beetlejuice, but before shoplifting. 
Yes, okay. exactly. That's the perfect timeline. Gotcha. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> what do you got next? Um, so this one is going to be for anybody who had, has kids. Um, I have a now eight-year-old little girl. And uh, The Last Unicorn is a movie I used to watch a lot growing up. And it is on Hulu. And it is an amazing movie that I think, it, I can't remember exactly the studio that did it, but it's the Japanese studio that did a lot. Of, it, they actually did, I think they did um, parts of The Hobbit. It's like done in that same style. And it's based on a book. And so the animation is just beautiful. It's a very dark kids movie. Um, it's about a unicorn who's trying to, f- she's the last unicorn and she's trying to find the other unicorns in the world. And so she goes on this adventure and meets a a magician and a poor scullery maid and they try and find the other unicorns in the world. I remember and it's- this. You're, you're just invoking a memory of a film. <laughs> but I, I, I remember this. Uh, it's- yeah, it's. It's a very distinct looking movie and the way that the unicorn is drawn, the unicorns are drawn is very distinct. Like they have these very wavy manes and they have these long necks and skinny legs. And it's just like, it's, it's very, the way it's done is so interesting. It's done in that style, like how they, when they first did the Hobbit, it's the same kind of animation style. And um, it just is so interesting looking and as someone who kind of gravitated more towards dark kids movies like the dark crystal and stuff like that growing up it's a it's a great one to watch now when you say sort of a dark kids movie we're not talking watership down dark not not that dark but it's just it deals with the themes of like mortality it of this unicorn trying to find the other unicorns and if they're all gone and um it has a great soundtrack i think it's by america Okay. I can't remember. I think it's America, but it it's like that very like seventies kind of hippy dippy sound, and it's very and like the whole the whole soundtrack is done by them, and um, it it it's a very unique experience. And if you haven't watched it growing up, I would definitely recommend it. It's not very long. It's like probably not even an hour and a half long. It's very it's very unique. It's very interesting. It's very dark. It, it'll give your kids, if they like that kind of thing, they'll probably gravitate towards it. Well done. You're all, you're really off and running on here because you, <laughs> Mermaids, I mean, of course, I remember that. But The Last Unicorn, yeah. that might be a film that I haven't thought of in literally 30, might be more than 30 years. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm 41 now and I, rem- I, yeah. I have two sisters that are four and six years older than me. Okay. And I, I just have memories of being in the family living room and then them, yeah. them playing that movie. Uh, yes. So I it has, like the, the way it sounds and the way it looks is just so one of a kind. Like it's the whole combined experience of it together. That's awesome. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I've been putting together, you know, with all the recommendations that I've been getting, yeah. I've been putting together uh, the list and the short list, you know, so there's yeah. the, there's the list of the movies. Like I'm definitely going to watch all of these if I haven't yes. seen them. And then there's a short list of films that are, I'm, I'm going to add the last unicorn to the short list right now. <laughs> Good. I'm happy to make that short list. Excellent. <laughs> what, what do you have for your, for your next pick? So I, um, as someone who's kind of become a recent horror convert, I, I, right now in these times, it's a horror movie. The horror movies I would usually gravitate towards um, are like zombie movies and stuff like that. But I just really don't want to watch any of those right now. Sure. <laughs> They're a little, little too close to home. But there is one 
movie, one horror movie that I absolutely love, and I think more people need to see it, and it's called What Lies Beneath. Yeah, What Lies Beneath. Okay, hold on, hold on. What Lies Beneath? Uh-huh. That is oh, that is Michelle Pfeiffer and Harrison Ford. Yes, it is. And that is directed by Robert Zemeckis, if I remember correctly. I saw it that is. in the theater. And I, uh-huh. the one thing... Oh God! Only oh, no, I can't. I can't say it because it's a big spoiler alert. Yeah, don't say the spoilers. I won't say the spoiler, but uh, there's a scene involving her with a bathtub, and I don't want to say anything more than that. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's. I think it's right before he got into all his uh, mo cats like genre that he has become obsessed with. I think it was maybe like the movie right before one movie before that, before he started getting into that. And I don't know if it's his only kind of thriller or horror movie. I don't know all of his filmography, but um, it is kind of uh, Hitchcock-esque. It's kind of like Rear Window a little bit where she's, her daughter has just um, gone off to college and she's all alone in this big house with her husband. And so, she, and then she keeps seeing ghosts, this ghost of this woman. And it's kind of what unfolds. And um, I think it's just like such a great thriller and like ghost story. Um, and it's done so well. And it's one of those movies that uses, is has a great use of tension and the fact of what it doesn't show you and how, how that can scare you just as much as what a movie can't does show you. And so I think it's just like such a great way to feel anxiety and tension without being completely suffocated and horrified at the same time by the current state of the world. (laughs) Yeah, no. Yeah. That's, that's a good point. Uh, What do you, what Robert Zemeckis has had a very diverse, very, very diverse. I mean, we're talking about, Let's see, just going through a few of his, just off the top of my head, we're talking about Back to the Future, Forrest mm-hmm. Gump, Cast Away, The Walk, yep. which I thought was a, a fantastic movie. I've never seen any of his mocap movies. Like, I have not seen The Polar Express. Did he do Beowulf? I don't, I think he might have. I can't remember. Maybe it was just a studio or he produced it. Okay. But I cannot watch The Polar Express. It terrifies me so much that... The uncanny valleyness of it is like way too much for me. I really like anything like that. I cannot watch. So I haven't seen any of his, any of those, any of those movies because I just can't watch them. <laughs> well, he, he could he could probably pull that off pretty effectively in 2020, yes. but that was what 2002, yeah. 2003. Yeah, and the technology wasn't just it, you know what. I'd, I'd say to him, like I'd say to George in 99, you know, yeah. the technology just isn't there yet. Yeah, exactly. We're getting and there. He's using some technology in what lies beneath just the way some of the parts of it are filmed. And so it's kind of interesting and you can kind of see him playing with modern technology a little bit, but it doesn't overtake the movie. Like the movie is a thriller, like horror movie trying to get you scared and it, it succeeds in that account. Yeah. Yeah, excellent. All right, yeah. And it's on Netflix. Okay, it's on Netflix. Let people know where to find them. Perfect, perfect. So, let's see. Of the three recommendations, one I've seen in the theater, one I've seen as a child, and one I saw in the 90s. But uh, it's What Lies Beneath is the one that I I remember the most so far. So, this is good. (laughs) All right, what what do you got next? You may know I'm a like big rom-com enthusiast yes. and so every, everyone knows all the favorites and they're all probably already all watching them but um there's one i actually did not start watching until i was older and um when my daughter was a baby it was on i think it was on tbs or something on some station like all the time and it's called forget paris yes <laughs> and uh it's 
such a great, like, I don't know, the way it's, the whole framing device of the movie is that they're telling a new friend to the group how these this two couple met. And it's um, Billy Crystal and, oh my gosh, what's her name? Deborah Winger. Deborah Winger, yeah. who... I am not a big fan of, but I love her in this movie. And there, it's a whole framing device, and it's this whole like character actor like buffet, and they're all and they're all telling this one new person to the group the history of this couple who is their other friends who they're waiting for at dinner to come meet with them. And it's such a charming movie, and I believe Billy Crystal directed it. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I saw that one in the theater. Uh, Yeah. So I love this movie. Like, <laughs> like I'm a big fan of this movie. As a matter of fact, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned this because for those who don't know, right now, HBO has made a, a number of their mm-hmm. series and a number of movies free to watch without a subscription on their apps like HBO Now. Uh-huh. And Forget Paris is one of those movies. Yep. Now, I, I always have – I watched the movie, I think uh, – Probably about two years ago, I revisited. Mm-hmm. I, I love Billy Crystal, Lexi, to say I mm-hmm. l- love him. But one of the things that gives me anxiety about this movie <laughs> is someone who, who, who's been a waiter for many, many years. Yes. If I was the waiter waiting on this table, <laughs> I'd have been losing my mind. All right. I know. They're just sitting there forever just telling the story. And they're it, it's... I can totally imagine the anxiety of having to wait for these people. And then they finally show up. It's like the restaurant is closed by now. So that's, I mean, that's, a, that's such a small, listen, that is not a critique of the movie. That is just, you know, as somebody who's worked in the service industry, the restaurant industry for 25 years, I tend to pick apart little, little scenes in restaurants. And, yep. and sometimes I'm like, no, no, that's not, that's not, uh, that's not good. Uh, or but that's just your own, like, it's your own experience. You're that you're like kind of portraying it onto the movie or reflecting it onto the movie. I do that all the time as someone who has worked in events and hospitality also. Like I think of these, I see stuff in movie and it gives me anxiety because I'm like, that's not how you would do it properly. No. <laughs> Just from doing this for so long. If, the, if there's any producers out there who are looking for an onset technical advisor for the restaurant industry, <laughs> I'd like to offer my services. Um, yes. There's, there's so many people always ask me, what do you think of the movie Waiting? I'm like, I can't watch that movie. <laughs> I can't watch it. It's like your own version of a horror movie. It's yeah. I'm like, like no, no, no. <laughs> um, but forget Paris. That movie. I remember when the trailers came out for that movie. This is like 93, 94. Yeah. They, they really pushed the angle that he wasn't, uh, his character was an NBA basketball referee. Um, it's such an interesting like idea. Like that's only something he would come up with as a profession for yeah. the main character. Because I know he's like a big basketball fan. So like, of course he would choose that. And then be able to have basketball players on the set of his movie. <laughs> exactly. I love it. You mentioned that you're not the biggest fan of Deborah Winger. Um, no. I only watched Terms of Endearment for the mm-hmm. first time in my life less than a year ago. I did too. And what did you think of that film? Um, I actually really liked the movie, but she just drove me crazy the entire time in that movie. I just, something about the way that she's acting it's like this whole nonchalance for the for everybody in her life like it just feels like she does not care enough and then it also seems like she is having some kind of manic episode the like every scene like she's just like 
her energy is at a hundred bajillion while everyone else's is like very steady. Um, oh, who plays her mom in that movie? Uh, Shirley MacLaine. Yeah, Shirley MacLaine, who I love. She's one of my favorite actors. I just love her so much. Like she is so wonderful in that movie and at such a different um, level. And Deborah Winger is just like in a whole nother movie, it feels like to me. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Well, yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I rather enjoyed the movie, but it's, I put it on the uh, the covenant list of we'll never watch it again. Yeah, it's it's like beaches or like any of yeah. those kinds of movies. I just can't. It's it's too depressing for me. Yeah. I can watch it that one time, experience it, and say, oh yes, I watched Turns of Endearment once, and that's it. <laughs> yes, yes, uh, yeah, that's exactly it. There's 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 a few of those movies that do exist. That that list. Yes. I will just. I'm, I'm glad I saw it. I understand yeah, the hype. Exactly. I get there's it. There's just some that I probably will never watch. Like I I as someone who's very who feels a lot, I don't think I'll ever watch movies like Schindler's List or something because I think it would just break me as a human being. So sure. I just prefer not to watch those movies. And so Terms of Endearment is at the very edge of what I will watch. Gotcha. All right. Perfect. <laughs> okay, what do you got for me next? Um, so as we try and find escapism right now, and I think we are all going to our favorites. Like I grew up every time we were sick watching Star Wars or Indiana Jones, we would watch all of them. My dad had all of the box sets on VHS. And so that's what we would do. And this is kind of that time it reminds me of. But since we're all, you know, watching those anyways, I thought I would throw out something um, a little bit different and it's going to be National Treasure 1 and 2. <laughs> okay. All right. So National Treasure saw the first one. <laughs> yes. Again, that's really interesting that you brought this one up because <laughs> when I was talking to Allie in the last episode, uh-huh. I she she recommended Pirates of the Caribbean, which I believe came out the year before. And these are both yes. Disney films. Yep. And I cited Pirates of the Caribbean as the film that sort of broke the mold for me as far as wanting to see, like I was so, uh, for lack of a better term, so pretentious about yes. the films that I would watch. And if it said Disney, I was like, I, I can't be bothered. Yes. And, you know, I've thankfully I've, I've substantially grown out of that yeah. way of thinking, but it was Pirates of the Caribbean that sort of broke that for me and say, oh, this is actually a really fun movie. And so uh-huh. because of that, I, w- I went ahead and saw National Treasure and yeah. loved it. Loved it. Yes. Interesting note. Haven't seen the second one. So oh, the second one's way more goofy, but just as fun. I think that's the one where they, they're they like, I have to, we have to kidnap the president. It's like that very gifable scene where Nick Cage is like in the suit and he's like, we got to kidnap the president of the United States. It's just so perfect. His energy fits the tone of the movie and the innate earnestness that he has for what he's doing in any movie it doesn't matter what the movie is nick cage is earnestly there doing his best yes and it works so well in these movies and as a like a history nerd like i completely love all the little facts and like the fact that it's kind of like a scavenger hunt which is so fun um yeah both of them are so fun and they're just so goofy like they are so goofy it's like indiana jones on you know it's like an animated indiana jones almost because it's just so on another level no i love it no i'm okay i'm definitely gonna have to watch national (laughs) treasure too did you ever watch did you ever watch the tnt uh made for tv movie the librarian i think i did a hundred million years ago when that was on the and they made it into a movie or a tv show i'm sorry they made it into a tv show 
as a, a Noah Wiley stan when I used to watch ER, I was totally I was totally in love with him. But yeah, it it's trying to do that for sure. But I think it's not not quite pitched at the right level. It it needs to be needed to be a little bit glossier. Sure, and a little. I don't know the what they're aiming for. I, I totally understand, but it didn't quite get there for me. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Yeah. Let's go ahead and do one more. What do you got? You got to, you got to, you got to finish strong here. You've done so you've, okay. it's been All so right. perfect uh, so far. So we, let's do one more. <laughs> the last one I actually watched this two nights ago. Um, a friend of mine was like, I'm watching this movie. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this movie is so perfect to watch right now. Uh, it's can't hardly wait. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Which is on Netflix. And it is just as a fan of the teen movie, it is just perhaps one of the best teen movies to ever be made. And it's so perfect. That's interesting. Now we have got some, there'll be some discussion going on about this. Uh, couple, uh-huh. couple things. I, I got to throw a couple shameless plugs for my podcast real quick here. Of course. Um, of course. I, I did have Peter Fashionelli as a guest on the show back in September. Yeah. And he does tell uh-huh. a great story about, about Can't Hardly Wait. So I definitely recommend people check that out. Ashley and I did a, a episode on the evolution of the teen comedy. And mm-hmm. we had talked about including this one. And looking back on it, we we singled out you know particular movies from each decade. And looking mm-hmm. back on it, I really wish we would have included this one in that episode because I watched it, obviously knowing that Peter was going to be on the show, I, I rewatched yeah. the film and I had seen it in the theater. It's fucking great. It, it's, it's, it's so, so great. Good. Yeah. It's if it, it, I think the, the teen movies almost work best when they're in, in that, that one day zone where yeah. it's like everything happens in one day, kind of like, you know, Ferris Bueller's day off. It's, I don't know. There's just something about it that works. It works so well in that mode. And I just love how it's kind of like a big puzzle and all the pieces come together. If I'm pressed to name my favorite teen movie, <laughs> uh, I would I would put Can't Hardly Wait in the discussion of the mm-hmm. top five for sure. Mm-hmm. Probably maybe even number three. But I, I always tend to flip-flop between Superbad and Fast Times at Ridgemont High. I, I absolutely love Superbad. It is perhaps one of my favorite movies of all time. It's so good. But I think when it comes to teen movies, my heart will always lie with 10 Things I Hate About You. It's one of my favorite movies ever. Okay. It's so good. I haven't seen it. What? I know. Oh my gosh. Short list. Please watch it. I think it's streaming. I think it's on uh, Disney Plus if you have Disney I Plus. I do have Disney Plus. so weird that it's on there now. But yes. Short list. All right. I'm writing young, this down. Young Heath Ledger, Dreamboat, and then it has all my favorite music from the time in it. So, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I'm, I'm putting that out. That, that one's definitely going on the short list as well, Lexi. So, good. Because you know what? Good. I've got time to watch it. You know, the thing is, uh, this is terrible. Like over the past six and a half years, I've been doing this show. Like people are always reaching out like, hey, you need to watch this. I'm like, sure. Yeah, I'll definitely watch it. And then they (laughs) reach out to me a month later. Did you watch it? I just couldn't find the time between work and everything. Now it's like, if I tell you I'm going to watch it, I'm going to watch it. You're going to watch it. That's awesome. That's good. I'm so happy to hear that. So Lexi, if people want to follow you on social media, how can they do that? What's the best way for them to to engage with you and and get into some film discussion if they wanted to? 
Yeah, if you want to engage in some goofy film discussion with me, I'm always happy to do that. Um, you can find me on Twitter. It's uh, L-E-X-Y underscore M-Y-R-A-N-D-A, Lexi underscore Miranda. First, I want to say thank you for coming on the show. Uh, but more importantly, I'm happy that actually very happy to hear that you and your family and your friends and everybody's staying safe out there in California. And mm-hmm. it's a, it's a crazy situation that the whole world finds it in and we're all going to get through this. And one of the, one of the ways that we're going to do that is to just constantly, you know, keep connected and keep the conversations going and keep the film recommendations coming. And I'd love to have you back on for another one of these episodes in the next week or two, if you're available. So just let me know. But again, thank you for being on the show. Yeah, thank you. And I'm glad that you have found your another outlet. You always seem to be able to find the perfect creative outlet for yourself. And this is helping and I hope it helps more people. And I just hope everyone is able to find their sanity right now. Absolutely. All right. Perfect. Well, listen, we're going to talk soon. Okay. Okay. All right. And my name is Dana Buckler. And thank you so much for listening.